A quick note before we begin. This episode may contain some content that is discomforting for some listeners. Discretion is advised. F-O-1. On July 15th, 2008, Cindy Anthony made a 911 call to the Orlando Police Department. 911. Cindy is the mother of her 22-year-old daughter, Casey. She's also the grandmother of Casey's daughter, 2-year-old Kaylee Anthony. She's the subject of Cindy's conversation with the dispatcher. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your, the baby is where? The babysitter took her a month ago that my daughter's been looking for. I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. And she just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. Anthony. The dispatcher tells Cindy to calm herself before continuing on. However, the conversation between the dispatcher and Cindy is over. Casey is now speaking to the dispatcher about her missing daughter. Can you can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry. Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. Casey informs the dispatcher of Kaylee's basic information, including her name, age, the last time she saw her, and where she believes she really was. Only a few seconds after taking over on her end of the line, Casey tells the dispatcher, "Quote: I know who has her." I tried to contact her, and I actually received a phone call today from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a minute. The dispatcher, unsurprisingly, immediately requests the information of this person. Casey gives the name and description of a woman she claims to have been Kaylee's nanny for the last year and a half, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. But in time, this accusation turned out to be just the first of many lies spun in the investigation into the disappearance and murder of Kaylee Anthony. What ensued after her 31-day-long disappearance would shake the American public to its core. From F01 Media. I'm Brad Ash, and this is Casey. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. In May of 2011, 25-year-old Casey Anthony went on trial for the murder of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. 
It was a trial that divided the nation and gripped the public in ways very similar to the murder trial of O.J. Simpson back in 1995. To this day, the true cause of Kaylee Anthony's death is a highly contested issue. But to really understand what happened on that fateful day in the summer of 2008, we have to peel back the image of Casey Anthony, the alleged murderer, and take a closer look at Casey Anthony, the person. This is Episode 1, Taking Care of Everything. George and Cindy Anthony married in early 1981. Living in Warren, Ohio, George worked as a police officer, while Cindy served as a nurse at a local hospital. They were your normal couple, loving, fun, and of course the occasional disagreement and fight. But overall, they were very happy together. Five years after tying the knot, on March 19, 1986, Sydney gave birth to their first child. It was a daughter, and they named her Casey Marie. Casey spent most of her childhood in West Palm Beach, Florida, and attended Colonial High School as a member of the class of 2004. However, she would never graduate, and by some accounts, this is actually when the first major example of Casey's master manipulation took place. In the weeks leading up to graduation, Casey informed her parents time and time again that she was indeed eligible to graduate, despite never being able to show them a real cap and gown or any other graduation necessities for that matter. When her mother received a call from the school informing her that Casey did indeed not have enough credits to graduate, Casey finally told her mother that it was true she was not eligible to graduate. But instead of punishing Casey, Cindy Anthony told her to not speak a word of it to any other member of the family. On top of that, she chose to play a part in the lie all the way up to the day of graduation. Casey's graduation party went on as planned and she went home with a lot of new things, except a diploma. She was officially a high school dropout. After finishing high school, Casey moved out and began living in a new apartment with multiple roommates. And only a year later, in the summer of 2005, Casey's life would take an unexpected turn. It's June of 2005 in South Carolina. The Anthony family, George, Cindy, and Casey, are in town for the wedding of Casey's uncle, Rick Placia. You know how weddings go. Everybody wants their picture with everybody. Family members that haven't seen each other in years are finally reunited in a celebration of love and happiness. But it doesn't take long for Casey to become the hot topic of the day. And it's not because of her outfit or her hair or even just recently moving out of her parents' house. No, Casey is drawing attention from all directions because of her stomach. You see, nobody knows it yet, but Casey is seven months pregnant. Relatives from every part of the family congratulate and ask Cindy about the new revelation, but she is utterly dumbfounded. According to a 2009 article from People magazine, Cindy denied the rumors by saying, quote, Casey is just putting on weight, and that she couldn't possibly be pregnant because she, quote, never has sex with anyone. Rick Placia, the man getting married, would later explain his thoughts upon hearing these deflections, saying, quote, 
So I'm thinking if it's not a baby, it's got to be a tumor. And if so, she only has a short time to live because it's big. When the family returns to Florida from the wedding, Casey lays it all out there for her parents. She tells them how long she's been pregnant and how she managed to keep it a secret for so long. The lie makes Cindy's blood boil. The state of the family as a whole was already strained, but this, well, this in her parents' eyes was a deal breaker. The Anthony family from this point on was never the same. Two months later, on August 9th, 2005, Kaylee Marie Anthony is born. Her birth does no favors in relieving any tension between Casey and Cindy. In fact, it only deepens the divide between the two. The fact that Casey had hidden her pregnancy from her parents was obviously a huge blow to her relationship with her mother. Cindy would do little things to get under Casey's skin after Kaylee was born, According to a statement in the same article from People Magazine, from Jesse Grund, Casey's former fiancé, Cindy would refer to herself as Mommy at times when speaking to Kaylee. In the documentation of Kaylee's birth, it is reported that Cindy, not Casey, was the first person to ever hold Kaylee. You see, these minor slights at Casey from her mother did not sit well with the 19-year-old. The seemingly unrepairable divide between Cindy and Casey would go on to be a major factor in the events following Kaylee's birth. But for now, Casey was doing all she could do to be the best mother she could be for Kaylee. In an interview with A&E in 2018, Cameron Campana, a roommate of Casey's at the time, described her as being an extrovert and, quote, extremely outgoing. He went on to say that Casey was, quote, an extremely attentive and engaging mother. As to Kaylee, who spent most of her time at the apartment and was once babysat by Campana, he says that she was, quote, very smart and very energetic. She liked to talk and dance around and bang on a drum pad. He also says that she was a fan of the Pink Panther cartoon and enjoyed swimming in the apartment complex's pool. From the perspective of Campana and all of Casey's other roommates, the relationship between Casey and Kaylee was as good as it could get for a mother and her daughter. In addition, they believed Kaylee was in an even better position to be raised in a good environment because of all the help Casey had from her roommates. It was, seemingly, the perfect situation. But that's exactly why it shocked Campana to hear of Kaylee's disappearance. In fact, it stunned all of the young mother's roommates. Campana says in the same interview with A&E, quote, it was really a shock when the police told us because she seemed like such a good mother. Campana may have been shocked then, but I think it's safe to say that he had no idea what the next few months would entail. Because of that one day in the summer of 2008, what happened near that West Palm Beach apartment complex would become the talk of the country.
not much is known about that fateful summer day in June of 2008. But this is the minute-by-minute account of that day that was argued in court. On June 16, 2008, at 7 a.m. sharp, Cindy Anthony left for work while everybody else in the household was still asleep. 52 minutes later, there is registered activity on Casey Anthony's password-protected MySpace account. At the same time, Casey is doing research on shot girls costumes for Tony Lazaro's, her boyfriend at the time, nightclub events. At 12.50 p.m., according to George Anthony, Kaylee left the house in a vehicle with Casey. They both had backpacks on over their shoulders. This is a portion of the timeline that is very heavily disputed. This is because after 12.50 p.m., when George claims Casey and Kaylee left, there is still ongoing activity from Casey's MySpace account. In addition, her cell phone records showed that she never left the area of the house until 4.11 later that day. At 1.39 p.m., there is once again activity on Casey's MySpace, Facebook, and AIM accounts. This time, it's on the family's home computer. The last recorded activity of that session is registered three minutes later at 1.42 p.m. Two minutes after leaving the computer, Casey then makes a phone call to her friend Amy Huizenga. The two talk for 37 minutes before the call ends at 2.21 p.m. Nine minutes later, George claims that he left for work. 19 minutes after that, at 2.49 p.m., Casey's cell phone pings to the tower that is closest to the Anthony residence. At that same time, the Anthony's home computer is logged into by an account created by Casey. The timeline from this point forward would be debated for months to come, but these are the facts. At 2.51 p.m., immediately after logging into the computer, there is record of a Google search made on the device for the term, quote, foolproof suffocation. As a result of the search, the user then clicks on an article that attacks pro-suicide websites that, quote, promote foolproof ways to die. A minute later, Casey Anthony receives and answers a phone call from Jesse Grund. Grund recalls Casey being, quote, abnormal throughout the conversation, telling him that her parents were getting a divorce and that she will need to find a new place to live. Then, at 3.04 p.m., Casey hangs up on Grun to take a call from her father, George. The call lasts 26 seconds, and it is stated that George made this statement to Casey. I took care of everything. I disposed of the body. Don't tell your mother about any of this. Between 3.34 p.m. and 4.41 p.m., Casey makes seven unanswered calls. One of them to Tony Lazaro, and the other six to her mother, Cindy. During that time, at 4.11 p.m., Casey's cell phone pinged to a tower to show she was en route to Lazaro's residence. And finally, at 7.54 p.m., Casey and Lazaro are seen walking casually into a Blockbuster video store, and Kaylee Anthony is not with them. Once Campana got over the initial shock of the situation, he began asking himself some serious and damning questions. 
Why didn't Casey report Kaylee missing sooner? What kind of mother waits 31 days to finally realize that her daughter is gone? That 31-day period contains arguably some of the most bizarre reactions a mother would have to not seeing her daughter for days, weeks, or months. On June 20th, pictures surfaced of Casey partaking in a hot body contest at a local fusion nightclub. On July 2nd, she gets a tattoo on her back that reads, Bella Vita, which means beautiful life in Italian. It isn't until July 15th that Casey finally decides to take action. On that day, Cindy and George went to pick up Casey's car from the impound. It had been towed away after being left in a parking lot for multiple days. When the car is finally returned to them, George details smelling a strong odor coming from the vehicle, and after searching for the smell, they find a trash bag full of waste in the trunk. For the last week and a half or so, the couple has been extremely upset that their daughter hasn't brought by Kaylee to see them. Because of this, they track down Casey's new residence and make her come home with them. But there's one major problem. Casey tells her parents that she hasn't seen Kaylee in over a month. She also tells them that she believes she has been kidnapped by her babysitter, Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. Cindy immediately makes a 911 call to the Orlando Police Department. The next day, police investigators inform the Anthony family that Casey has been lying about her place of employment and where her nanny, who's also the alleged kidnapper at this point, lives. As a result, Casey is taken into custody and arrested on the charge of child neglect, making false official statements, as well as obstructing an investigation. On July 17th, Casey appears before a judge and is denied bail. The next day, she hires Jose Baez to serve as her defense attorney. And on August 5th, 2008, the Florida State Attorney's Office files formal charges against Casey Marie Anthony for one count of child neglect. But unfortunately for Casey, one count of child neglect isn't all that's in store for her battle against the state of Florida. After a few minor incidents, she'll be formally charged with first-degree murder, and the trial that ensues will be one for the ages. That's on the next episode of Casey. You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. From F1 Media. This was part one of four of the story of how Casey Anthony became the most hated woman in America. A note about the information you heard in this episode, it was all based on our best research. And if you would like to learn more about this story, we recommend Casey Anthony, an American murder mystery from Investigation Discovery. You can listen and subscribe to Casey at FO1.media or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. 
for updates. Follow F01 Media on Twitter and Facebook. All you have to do is search F01 Media. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. It's the best way to help other listeners find this series. Thank you for streaming. This episode was edited and executive produced by me, Brad Ash. Written and researched by myself and Carmen Morales for FO1 Media. FO1.